Welcome to Service Stories, a podcast where AmeriCorps VISTAs, or volunteers in service to America, share their experiences in Philadelphia schools and nonprofits. We'll explore the ins and outs of a year in the life of a VISTA member and what they've learned along the way. Join Sarah and Sarah on their quest to find out how does service shape the lives of different people. Service Stories a podcast created by volunteers about volunteers. In this week's episode, we sit down and talk to Evan Waddell. At the time of recording, she was serving in Philadelphia as a VISTA. Evan has now moved on to another year of service, serving as a VISTA in Charleston, South Carolina, with the Children's Museum of the Low Country. She previously lived in Charleston and it is closer to extended family. Enjoy this interview with Evan as she talks about her experience serving in Philadelphia. First question to get this rolling, Evan, what is your, what is the color of your energy today? Yes, yes. Sounds Great like a question. <laughs> um, I think I'm feeling like a grayish blue. Mm-hmm. Um, feeling kind of calm, but also sleepy. Um, and it is the middle of Corona panic. So I think um, I don't have a lot of like necessarily happy energy going on. <laughs> um, yeah. There's undertones of panic everywhere, but I'm doing well, and I hope everyone is, too. What about yeah. you, Sarah? I, uh, I, I think everyone's kind of feeling that way, and hopefully this interview can serve either as, like, a distraction, maybe, for someone, or encouragement or some sort of like empathizing tool um and hopefully it inspires people to kind of like come together as a community because we're going to talk about americorps and specifically today we'll talk about what evan is working on with americorps and why she even chose this path for a year to be an americorps service member so Evan, if you had to describe, like, what AmeriCorps is to someone that isn't in AmeriCorps, what is it? Yes. Um, Good question. I have definitely had to answer that many times to friends and family. Um, I think that maybe the quickest answer that helps people understand is it's, like, the Domestic Peace Corps. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's the same model, but it's only for a year. And I'm talking VISTA specifically. Um, So that's our program, maybe. So, yeah, you're serving in communities for a year. Um, You're employed as a volunteer for the government. And um, VISTA addresses poverty in different forms. And by doing that through indirect service and capacity building at different organizations. So that's why all of the people who I think will be interviewed for this podcast, everyone in our program. Um, None of us is doing direct service where we are actually teaching in a school or, you know, serving at a community garden or um, 
that type of work where it's much more front facing with clientele. It's um, we're working with organizations or schools that are trying to build up their programs. So we're kind of behind the scenes, um, helping them do that type of work. So, and then Vista is a volunteer in service to America. I almost said AmeriCorps there. (laughs) Um, Yes, I think that's kind of the broad overview sweep of what our program aims to do. Yeah, I think that that actually encapsulates it really well. Um, People are very confused, I think, also by the the term Vista. And so I think that usually helps people see. And our work is pretty unique in the fact that we are not doing direct service and that this is a lot of capacity building. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I'm also curious kind of what motivated you to serve in this specific program uh, because it is it is such a niche program and we're just kind of curious what, what motivated you to kind of come here and serve in this, um, serve in WePAC, the, the organization that you're at. Yes. Um, yeah. So for context, I graduated from, um, my school undergraduate degree just this past May. Um, so as I was approaching graduation, I was sort of figuring out what was next. And, um, I think for me, the way I got introduced to AmeriCorps was um, through several different ways, but I'm, I think the, the main one that I can remember right now, um, I actually went to a Catholic school, it's a Jesuit school, so a lot of the people I know go into the Jesuit Volunteer Corps, um, and that's another great program, but um, I decided it wasn't quite the right fit for me, but a very similar model then is AmeriCorps, um, which... I was like, oh, I'll look into that a little bit more. And I think I I was really drawn to the structure of the program. Um, it's, you know, very much exactly a year, which is kind of nice to have that um, going in, knowing how long you'll be somewhere. Um, it's pretty well defined. Like there's good descriptions online. They have their own platform where you can search through tons of different jobs and, um, you know, look specifically if you're looking to stay in a certain city or if you want to work on certain skill set or issue area, you can filter by all of these things. Um, so that helped me stay organized when I was applying, which I really like as well. Um, but this opportunity I was drawn to because I wanted nonprofit exposure. Um, mm-hmm. And so the cohort that hired all of us, um, Finn, they have about half of us are in the track. Um, where we're working for local Philadelphia nonprofits. And um, I interviewed with Fend, and then they told me about some of their opportunities that were still there, one of which was WePAC, the West Philadelphia Alliance for Children. Um, and that's the organization I'm currently serving with. So once I interviewed with Fend, I was like, this nonprofit job sounds like a great fit. My family's from the East Coast, so Philadelphia sounds exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, was, I, looked into what WePAC does, and um, they work with libraries and um, kids all throughout elementary schools in West Philly, and um, I love books, so that kind of sounded like a fun opportunity, um, and the team is really great, and so I, I got in that way, um, and it's been a good fit so far. Yeah, I was just wondering, 
you know, you did all that research and you went through it really like systematically and you filtered things down to kind of what you wanted to focus on and where you wanted to serve. What, if you could go back in time to like the day before our start of service, which was July 22nd, Second. I believe yes. that's can you remember like what you were thinking like right before your service year started kind of like in your mind what did you think you would be doing what did you think Philly would be like before you actually started yes so the day before our service year started I actually moved to Philly (laughs) um it was over 100 degrees outside and yeah it was the Sunday before our Monday first day of work I um, totally remember how hot it was and it yes. was horrible it was so insane bad. my apartment does not have air conditioning so yeah. um, that was an interesting like intro into the city I had only ever visited once before um, like a month earlier to look at some housing options so my first time coming to Philly was just to look for moving here. Um, I'd already committed, but um, so I didn't have a really good idea of what to expect. Um, I work all throughout West Philadelphia, but I ended up living um, in Fishtown area, so that's further east. So neither of these two areas I knew much about. I'd seen a little bit of downtown driving through that. Our cohort is based in um, the UPenn area. So all of these different pockets I was trying to like piece together in my head because I think they all feel pretty different. It's a city of neighborhoods. Um, so I didn't know what to expect in those terms. I think I was so overwhelmed with the immediate need to move in and get everything settled, get some groceries that um, I didn't think too far in advance on those logistics. Um, but definitely in the weeks prior, I'd been thinking a lot about and then talking about what I would be doing with WePack. Um, and they had, this is their first year having a VISTA, um, so they did a lot of internal developing what they wanted the program to look like and then wrote up a great description. So that was helpful for me to have is that, you know, we had this jumping off point of this is what they wanted to see from the year. Um, so I knew that I would be going in school some, I would be helping on the expansion of new libraries, I would do some program evaluation and um helping them create systems that run better. So these are all like cool phrases, but I didn't necessarily know what that would look like um, in practice. So I think every time I was describing it to people, I kind of told them these background things, but said, you know, check in with me in a few weeks and I'll tell you what it actually looks like. Um, In particular with the cohort model too, I I didn't know how that was gonna play into the day-to-day of the work. Um, So yeah, I think I came in with very vague ideas and I tried to just leave it at that and then accept whatever came. Um, Cause yeah, I think it was, it was a learning process for all of us. I think many of the vistas that first day when we all met, we did not know what we were going to be doing on site um, each day. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. Um, I guess I'm curious now, like what your day to day kind of looks like now that you've We've been in service for what? It's been seven months longer? Yeah. What does your day-to-day kind of look like now? Like, what does that mean to be, you know, like you were saying before, there was a lot of this that we didn't really understand 
what that looked like, like making systems and all this kinds of stuff. Like, what does that actually kind of look like in your day to day? Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's shifted each month a little bit, but definitely at the very beginning, I did a lot of kind of shadowing, um, my two coworkers. It's a very small organization. Um, but so they had some service events set up that I went to with the two of them, saw what it looks like, have, um, got to see a few of different libraries and how people work in the spaces. And this was in the summer, so the schools were closed, but we were just doing some upkeep. Um, and met some of the volunteers who work with WePack and did a lot of kind of going through the systems with um, the director and looking at, you know, the type of work that she does with the board. I met them. Um, so it was looking at some overview stuff. Then I did a lot of my own research to um, update sort of what WePack had. So one of my first projects was researching the, let's see, it's, I think 18 schools that WePack is in. Um, so I researched a large variety of um, just qualitative and quantitative facts about each school and put those together in a report. And so that way WePack had it as stuff um, to inform their decisions moving forward. And then I had it also as great background for me knowing what types of schools I would go into. Um, so that was some of the research that goes into, you know, long-term um, hopefully sustainability of their programs and that they're well-informed, but um, it's not something that I expected to do going in. Um, so it's some smaller projects like that, that, you know, you work on for a week and then they're done. You have a good final project. Um, I do a lot of, since my role is most directly on library expansions, um, it means that, well, I guess I should give a little bit of information about what WePack does, but um, Basically, they reopen libraries in West Philadelphia elementary schools that have shut. And then once they're open, they staff them with volunteer teams to run library time. So that in, of, in and of itself takes a lot of um, time and effort to actually make sure that the libraries that we've now opened have volunteer teams who are correctly trained. They know what they're doing. All their systems are working. So our program manager focuses on that side of things. Um, but we are still expanding so we have three new libraries that we're reopening this year and um that's largely what my role is in so forming relationships with the schools and visiting them making sure they're doing well doing space assessments um and then also building partnership just like different relationships with um groups in the area who could do service projects with WePack because it's such a small staff. We really rely on volunteers to help us do some of the work. So um, definitely in, I would say my first four months, I did a ton of just reaching out to different people at universities, organizations that might do service and um, asking to set up meetings if I could talk to them about what we do and if they had groups who'd be interested. So I met with a ton of different people, um, some it wasn't the right fit others we made good progress or they passed me along to the next person and um from that then I think starting in the winter we actually got some of these groups to come to our schools and I would facilitate those days and help them um in the space so they would be you know organizing our books and helping us clean up the space and helping us catalog um these little background things that you need to make a library functional um 
Yeah, so I think that's a lot of what it's been is partnerships, library expansions in the many different forms, some research projects. Um, and like I said, it shifts every month, month quite a bit. So I, I'm not really sure what will happen in the next few months even. Mm. What? So there's, there's so many like different kind of like nitty gritty components that I think a lot of VISTAs do kind of like day to day working on a bunch of different projects. If you had to express in like a sentence, to someone to explain kind of the impact of what WePAC does. What is kind of like baseline? What is the mission of WePAC? Yes. Um, so their mission is to, and I'm not going to get their actual language that's on the website, but as far as I see it and what my work is doing, um, it's really to expand access to books for kids in um, more like underserved areas, like in terms of how the schools are funded, the schools we work in in West Philly really um, don't get that much extra help. And the fact that, you know, they don't have libraries is, is a big issue. There are lots of other things missing. But anyway, so to expand access to books for kids in these schools, and it's really not even about um, education. We don't do any sort of you know, we don't measure metrics on how they're performing. It's just to foster a love of reading because um, it's so critical for long-term success to really have a confidence in yourself and your ability to read and um, to just enjoy it. It's a good, you know, in any realm, you're likely going to have to read in some form. So if you start saying when you're young, you know, oh, I'm not a reader, I can't do that, I don't like to do that, um, studies have actually shown if you're not reading on grade level by fourth grade, you are, I think it's four times less likely to graduate high school on time. So it really does impact you in a lot of ways. And um, we just wants every kid to be confident in their reading abilities, to love to read, to think, you know, there's a book out there that um, represents me and that I love. And um, yeah, just having access to those types of things. So I think it's a really positive mission. It's the type of social justice work that you see um, a very direct outcome. You know, they didn't used to have a library and now they do. Um, so that's really right. gratifying versus I think some other work, you know, it's really important, but it's harder to see, you know, it's, it's you're going for long strokes of, you know, shifting systems over many, many years, but I get to see the, um, instant joy of like a little fourth grader who comes in and they see their favorite book on the shelf and they're excited about how many others we have in the series um stuff like that so that definitely was not a concise sentence but no, <laughs> um, I, yeah i think it gets to like the heart of it right it's like yeah people that love to read they can definitely remember like the first series or book that they like yes, really love. grabbed a hold of them and mm -hmm. i want to ask the two of you, what was your favorite childhood book? Ah, good answer, yeah. Oh, I had so many. <laughs> I think that's been fun for me on this job is as I've gone through the shelves um, from like the earliest picture books to some of the younger chapter books, mm -hmm. I've seen so many books that I've loved over the years. Um, so I'm trying to think if there's a standout right now. Her name oh, is Apple, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I loved the Magic Treehouse series. I think that's a great yeah. start for a lot of kids on chapter books. Um, and it's like fun adventure. 
Um, and you learned some about history, so it's always good to throw in learning. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I don't really, know, Sarah, do you have? Yeah. Um, I really like Nancy Drew. She was, Ooh. she was great, I think. Um, but Magic Treehouse is really good. What about you? What about you, Sarah? I remember I really liked, like, when I was really little, I loved Winnie the Pooh. Um, mm. And then when I was more, like, third grade, fourth grade, I was into um, the Dear America books. Do you rem- remember those at oh, all? Where they were I've historical. seen those on the shelves. Yep. They were like <laughs> historical fiction. So yep. most of them were like young women and they wrote diary entries about like, I know one was like, uh, she was a passenger on like board the Titanic. One mm-hmm. was like a nurse maybe in the Civil War and they would just mm-hmm. like write entries to somebody like about, about like what they were doing during that time. Those were like some of my favorite books. So Yeah. Oh. I and I guess I wanna jump back because I'm like I'm thinking about this um as far as like what do you think, Evan, as far as books in general and like kind of and like providing that type of literacy to a lot of kiddos who um aren't maybe getting those services in general like I'm just thinking about the ways in which literacy directly ties to economic stability mm-hmm. and for your future and I think that you know having that skill set in the beginning of your or like in the early part of your life Mm -hmm. is important right to upward mobility and all of that so I guess I'm just curious how what you think uh we pack is doing as far as how how is like providing this service fighting poverty and like you kind of commented on it earlier I guess I'm just thinking in the way of like setting a basis for so many kids Mm mm-hmm um, I guess I'm curious how you think WePAC is doing that, of setting, like, a, a base ground yes. for young people so that in the future they can be um, more successful, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, I think that's a great question, and it ties back to the core of AmeriCorps, which is to fight poverty. Um, so I think one of the main kind of buckets under the way that AmeriCorps members fight poverty. One of them is education um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, education is such a stepping stone for success. Um, And if we can empower young people um, to get an education that suits them and um, that helps them in their future, you know, and to make sure that it's equitable, too, that everyone has access to um, mm. a good education. I think that's what a lot of AmeriCorps members are trying to do. So WePAC certainly fits into that model um, in its unique way by opening libraries, you know, and not actually doing instructional activity, but really setting kids up for confidence. I think um, that's something that can be overlooked in terms of the education system, is if you're not confident and um also engaged in an entertained kind of way you know you don't have to be reading a nonfiction history book for us to think it's worthwhile like if you love a fiction book and that's making you read and making you love to read and thinking hey I'm a good reader like that's equally um, important I think in terms of long-term success so Mm. that's really I think where WePAC comes in is creating a space on in your school that is 
fun. We often paint them like crazy colors. So it's bright, it's engaging. Um, and you get to feel, you know, no pressure to learn. You're not tested or anything. A library is a space where you just come in um, and don't have to feel that pressure that I think school sometimes lays on kids. Um, so hopefully it's, it's just a fun space for them and they can find these things that they, um, you know, if, if you're really into sharks, if that's your thing, you know, hopefully we have a variety of shark books that you might like. Um, you could go home, read them with your family, read them to a younger sibling. Um, building those types of relationships around books, I think, is another great thing that they can do. Um, mm. So, so yeah, I think that WePack is indirectly, again, trying to support kids, um, but in, in these ways that are sometimes less tangible, again, in terms of confidence, happiness, mm. engagement, whatever. Um, but they're definitely equally important. And I think it's really easy to see how excited kids are when they go to the library. It's It feels like it's working. So that's great. Yeah, and like that, that sense of value and um, self-esteem is also yeah. important, right? In, mm-hmm. in, helping, in helping young people succeed. Um, yeah, Sarah, um, you have any questions that you'd like to bounce off? Yeah, do you think um, after working for kind of a nonprofit that tangentially is related to education, do you think, Evan, that you want to kind of follow that as your next step in your kind of mm-hmm. career path? Or do you see more like switching gears to maybe something not as related to education? Yeah, that is a good question. One I am trying to answer. (laughs) Um, I think that I, yeah, I mean, I think earlier we said, you know, what are we seven months in? Where's the clock ticking? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, you know, the year-long AmeriCorps experience is sort of wrapping up. Not quite. We still have months left, but it feels like it's time to think about next steps. Mm -hmm. And I've been trying to figure that out. Um, I think my background is a little bit different from what I'm doing in school. I studied um, international politics and did a lot more on just, you know, a very much broader international scale, looking at um, human rights issues very broadly and... um, thinking about things on more of like a policy legal side of things, I think. So what I'm doing with WePAC is so much more hands-on in the sense that it's, you know, small community scale. We're just focusing on one very specific issue. Um, And that's one of the reasons that I chose to do an AmeriCorps year. I think I really needed that um, practical experience rather than theorizing about all these things is to actually see how it works um, on the day-to-day. But I do really enjoy the um, that more policy, international, you know, wide stroke side of things. So I'm trying to figure out at what point I might want to transition back to that. And if under the human rights umbrella, is education the realm I want to focus on? Or is it more women's issues? Or is it more refugees and migrants? Like, these are all things I've considered. And um, I think in the next few years I will go back for another degree to help me hone some of these skills as I specialize more um so I'm not quite sure if education is the path um I think I want to take a few more steps 
to test out different things and see where I feel the most, um, where I can make the most impact and where I'm also the best suited maybe for the work. So, so I don't know, it's definitely a work in progress. I've loved what I'm doing now in terms of um, the exposure I'm getting. And I definitely do think I'm on the right side of things on the indirect service track rather than direct service. Like watching these teachers, I have so much respect for what they do. And I know I could not be a teacher in a school. Um, So that's also good to see is like to rule that out a little. Yeah, I mean, that's another like great thing about AmeriCorps is that service typically is like sometimes less than a year or a year or like I know Teacher America is a two year commitment, but Mm -hmm. you get to like jump into something fully and get exposure to it, but it's not in any way like commitment forever where it's like this. Yeah, you're not stuck anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get to try things yeah. out and kind of decide, like, oh, I like this part of my year of service. This is what I want to do next. Or you get to determine, like, that is a great, you know, area of focus that so many people are committed to. And mm-hmm. I would, like, shift just slightly. So there's so many different yeah. things to, like, take from our year of service and also to, like, reflect on. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I think to jump off of what Sarah is kind of um, speaking to there, I'm curious what what are some of like the things that you've kind of learned in your um, in your time here, wh- whether that's like personally or professionally. Like, I'm just kind of curious how this has um, like shaped your 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 next steps, and also like maybe just you as a person. Um, Mm-hmm. Just, like, curious what this has given you, what it's taught you, um, whether that be negative or positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I've definitely learned a lot so far, and I'm sure I will continue to learn um, more from this experience. But I think just by nature of it being my first full-time working experience, um, mm. that alone has taught me a lot of different things. You know, school is very different from work. Um, balancing your schedule in different ways and um, being a professional and all the different, you know, you're not just a student relying on your parents, like um, more autonomy in what you're doing. But also AmeriCorps VISTA, sometimes we're in a weird zone where if we're younger and people don't understand the program, we're not always treated as full um, staff people, not by people at our own organizations, but sometimes by outsiders. So I think Mm. it's navigating those dynamics of, professional relationships and how to present myself in the world with, you know, confidence in my abilities. And I am um, working on behalf of this organization and I am Mm. a staff person. I'm not a student anymore. Like I can have equal share of ideas with older people and everything like that. Um, So that's been some of the professional stuff I've learned. Um, I think AmeriCorps in general too, it's like this, um, seeing the schools in West Philly and seeing you know, researching a little bit more about um, the school district and, you know, why did the library shut down? What else has shut down? What is the condition of the buildings right now? Um, What are the factors possibly at play with that? I've learned a lot about those types of things and it's shown me, you know, the great um, inequities that exist all over America, but this Mm -hmm. is, you know, the one community snapshot that I'm getting to see. 
I think another great learning experience for me is because I live so far from where I work, I take SEPTA every day. And um, so I just think you learn a lot by taking public transit in an area and, you know, going through different neighborhoods and seeing the changes. Um, that too has been something where visually I can just pick up on, um, I kind of have a finger on the pulse of the city. So that's been fun too, um, because I am new to Philadelphia. I think I'm coming in as an outsider. So mm. yeah, I don't know, learning a lot. I think I'm still, you know, reflecting on it and we'll be sifting through a lot of these experiences for years to come. Mm. If you had to um, like uh, talk about or explain Fishtown, since that's where you live, mm. to anyone that's never visited Philly before, what is like Fishtown's vibe? What's it like there? <laughs> yeah, so... I definitely, it's so funny being an outsider from Philly, like I had, you know, no idea what any of the the neighborhood vibes were, but um, people tell me (laughs) that it's a great place for young people. It's kind of hip and up and coming, um, which I think is maybe sometimes a nice way to say being gentrified, but I Mm. have been looking out (laughs) for that and it doesn't, um, it doesn't necessarily feel like it's being overrun in you know I think gentrification has as it should a lot of negative um associations but Mm -hmm. what I've seen from Fishtown it has a strong community sense like I know they recently um kicked out a Starbucks that was going to be open because they were like no we want local businesses and um so they fought back for that which I think is very you know it's a feisty community um so and it does have a a lot of great local coffee shops lots of dogs who get to go in them sometimes which is fun Mm -hmm. (laughs) um Yeah, so it's an interesting area. I think um, lots of little townhouses and um, bars and restaurants. I think that's also where it gets kind of that young, hip reputation from. Um, Yeah, so it's been fun getting to know. And um, yeah, I've enjoyed just figuring out the city neighborhoods at a time. (laughs) What are are some like activities or hobbies that have helped you like manage your well-being um like being because you're being away from home and like being under the stipend um what things have been helpful for you mm-hmm. in this time yes um yeah so I think for me um you did mention I'm away from home my family is from Virginia Um, Mm -hmm. So this is several states north, but I'm actually fortunate my two of my siblings live in um, New York City and Princeton, New Jersey. So neither of those is too far. I think that's been one thing is like seeing family who is nearby um, has been a good Mm -hmm. break. Another perk is that since our um, our program provides us with the SEPTA passes, Um, the monthly SEPTA passes, you can actually travel on regional rail for free over the weekend. And so I can Mm. get pretty close to Princeton for free. Um, So that's an added perk is that I don't have to, you know, worry too much. It's not a logistical nightmare to try to see some of family um, all the time. So that's definitely helpful. Um, I think in terms of day to day, I tied into my work. I think reading is a great Um, Mm de-stressor. I always love having um, a book on my bedside table. I'm a big fan of fiction. So um, I'll just always make sure that I'm reading something because I think it's a great way for me to 
just kind of mentally shut off everything else that's happening. Because um, I find even if I'm watching TV or something, I'll, I'll still think about other things that are going on or, you know, my brain will start to go different directions. But if I'm mm-hmm. reading a book, I'm really focused on that. Um, so that's a good way. Also, when I'm commuting, since it's a little bit longer of a commute, sometimes I'll listen to audiobooks. That's a fun way for me to just kind of tune out, you know, I'll look out the window if I'm on a bus and um, not let my wa- mind wander or not check my emails all the time. Because I think it is, you know, it's good to, f- to unplug, to have you know, you're not constantly working or thinking about work all the time. Um, right. Building friendships with the other Fend, um, Findies, I guess we're called, I don't know, Fend Vistas. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's definitely been an important part of my year because I think coming here and not knowing anyone, um, you know, it's having those relationships is what keeps you sane. <laughs> and, yeah. And, um, and we all understand kind of where we're coming from. We're all on the same stipend. We're all doing similar work. So it's a, re- it's a really great sense of community there as well. Definitely. Definitely. What would you tell someone that wants to make a change in their own community or if they're mm. interested in a program like AmeriCorps, what advice would you give them, Evan? Yes. Um... Yeah, so I think, firstly, in, in terms of making a difference, I think one of the biggest things maybe AmeriCorps has shown me is that, um, you know, any individual can make a really positive impact, and it can be on a smaller, large scale, but it's affecting real people's lives in positive ways, so definitely go for it, you know, keep pursuing that. Um, I think it's easy to get kind of bogged down by all the craziness in the news at any given point, you know, Mm -hmm. right now we're dealing with coronavirus, but there's always something that is, you know, this negative messaging that's like, ah, everything's going crazy and what can anyone do? Um, But there's still a lot of great people working to do really interesting things at all different levels. Being part of something like AmeriCorps, you get to see, you know, it's this huge nationwide network of volunteers doing really incredible things, applying their skills in unique ways. Um, So seeing all of that, I think, is, um, you know, just like a good reminder. And it's, it's really gratifying to be a part of a network like that. Um, Mm. So I am a big, I think, yeah, if it makes sense, um, it's definitely not always the right fit for everyone. But AmeriCorps is a great program in terms of experience. And Um, I think especially for me, where I was coming into the program, I would say other people who are looking for that entry-level job experience um, and who they want it to feel impactful rather than, you know, you're just kind of doing the brunt work of any office and you have to work for several years before you get real responsibility. Um, AmeriCorps is not like that. You get immediately thrown into some really interesting situations and um, you can directly make an impact from day one. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's a really great opportunity and, um, I definitely don't regret this step at all. And I think it's such a great building block too for any number of careers. Um, so it's practical and it's fun. Um, you meet a lot of great people. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you, Evan, for joining us today and, and sharing all your 
your um, expertise and your experience with us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you, Evan. Service Stories, a podcast created by volunteers about volunteers.